This is All Things ANSYS, a podcast from the technical support staff at PADT. Episode 39. We discover what is new in ANSYS Discovery Live 2019 R2 and take a look at what is going on in the ANSYS and PADT worlds. Greetings. Uh, this is Eric Miller, one of the owners here at PADT, and welcome to our podcast. A little bit of an apology. We're actually having a uh, some work done on our roof right above my head. We're installing a new oven in our lab, a high temperature uh, curing oven for some testing we're going to be doing. And uh, it needs a vent, and they're up there cutting and sawing and tarring and feathering uh, on the roof right now. So if you hear any unusual sounds, that's what that is up there. <clears throat> so um, we hope that everyone listening that lives north of the equator is enjoying their summer. Uh, we're in full swing here at PADT. Many of our staff members have been off traveling with family around the country, even around the world. We have uh, two people in, I think they're in Paris today, but they've been traveling around uh, Europe uh, on summer vacation. So um, hopefully everybody's having a good time and enjoying the nice weather and uh, getting out there with their families. Podcast-wise, uh, we're at 11,375 downloads, and uh, that's over, um, what is it, 38 episodes. So we're still sitting there at 300 per episode. Um, <clears throat> the John Swanson interview, which is by far our most popular, is up to 568 downloads. And uh, many of the early episodes have crossed over into getting close to 350 to 400 downloads. So do spread the word out there, let people know, and uh, we'll keep on working on some interesting programming. Today we're going to talk about Discovery Live, um, which is, uh, um, uh, we know, we've talked about it before. I, it, I get, I get a little stumbling because the Discovery product line, let me back up a little bit, the Discovery product line includes several products, including Discovery Live, the Space Claim tool, as well as AIM. And um, so I get a little tongue twisted. I don't know why I don't, why I don't call it live. But anyway, Discovery Live is the product we're going to talk about. And we'll explain in the uh, discussion with Ted and Tom uh, what exactly it is, why we get so excited about it, why we talk about it so much. Uh, because we really believe in this product and really feel like more people should be using it. So um, I will let us explain more. Welcome today to our uh, latest discussion on Discovery Live. We, we like to talk a lot about Discovery Live. It seems like we were just discussing before we started the uh, recording that it seems like just yesterday that we were talking about Discovery Live. It wasn't yesterday, but it was only like two or three months ago. Um, and that shows the great pace of releases that are coming out. So uh, R2 uh, came out a few weeks ago. Um, and. Uh, We've got a webinar coming up to talk about Discovery Live, which we'll give a little bit more details on. So we thought we'd have a discussion about what's new and different. And joining me today are Ted and, uh, and Tom. And Ted, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself. Yeah, this is Ted Harris. I manage our <coughs> simulation support group here at PADT, longtime ANSYS user. And I've been using Discovery Live since uh, it was first released or pre-released, I should say. Um, going back, was that a couple years back? Yeah. And this is Tom Chadwick. I'm one of the CFD support engineers here at PADT, um, long-time ANSYS user, and um, just started playing with Discovery Live since it's come out and trying different capabilities and learning about the tool. Cool. And, and as a, for those that don't know what Discovery Live is, I'll give a little bit brief of an overview of the product itself. Uh, interrupt me, both of you, if I get it wrong. 
Um, so Discovery Live is basically a simulation tool that uses numerical methods like all the ANSYS suite, but it's using a solver, multiple solvers, that use the graphics processing unit or the GPU, so the, the engine inside graphics cards, high-end graphics cards, to do massively parallel calculations. So again, it's building a matrix like we've always done, but it's doing it in a way that lends itself to something that can do a lot of vector math very, very fast, uh, which is what these GPUs do. So we make some approximations on the geometry and on the mesh in order to get something that can be uh, well formulated for that kind of a solver. But the turnaround on that is, the reason why it's called Discovery Live is we get almost instantaneous feedback on both the structural, the CFD, and now some new physics that we'll talk about when we talk about what's new in R2. So you can literally um, push a button on your CAD model, get stresses, get flow, change a parameter uh, in real time to change the diameter or the thickness of something and see how that affects your results. So it's a very intuitive, what I like about it because of my background in design engineering is the ability to get kind of uh, intuitive feedback on what happens if I make a change here. So instead of making a change or making six changes and kicking off six jobs and then coming back 15 minutes to, to a couple hours later, I can see within instantaneously or within a few seconds what those changes do to my results. And it's a very powerful tool. It is not a replacement for simulation. It is a tool to help design engineers and project engineers and people who want to understand their products better, better understand them faster. And probably the last little back, bit of background I should add is that it runs within the space claim interface. That's correct. Um, and so it's a very CAD-focused tool, but you can import your geometry from any of your CAD packages that are common out there. And there is a version of it that runs inside PTC Creo as well. Uh, so you can run in either place if you're a Creo user. You can try that. Did I miss anything on the basic background? No, that was a great introduction. Um, the only comment I have, or just a couple comments, mm -hmm. you know, emphasize, you emphasized that this is really a designer level tool. Mm -hmm. It's definitely, you know, intended for early on in the design process. Good so point. it's intended to give you very quick results on uh, what if scenarios. Mm -hmm. What if I change this? What if I look at this in a different way? What if the load changes by this amount? You get very quick turnaround, virtually instantaneous turnaround. Um, and the other thing I'll add is that uh, even though it is a, an early in the design process tool, there is an upgrade path for the simulation, and that is to go to the AIM tool. And for those not familiar with AIM, AIM is uh, another one of the three parts that make up ANSYS Discovery. So Discovery products, there's three of them, Discovery Live, which we're talking about mm -hmm. today, the other two are Discovery Space Claim, right. which is just the geometry part. And then at the top, you have Discovery AIM. So AIM is really, an I'll call it an intermediate simulation mm -hmm. tool uh, that does uh, structural fluids and uh, some electromagnetics. So it kind of sits in between Discovery Live and the flagship tools, uh, ANSYS Mechanical, Fluent, uh, Maxwell, CFX. Mm -hmm. Right. So... Uh, one potential workflow is to perform simulation in Discovery Live, get something that looks good, and then move into Discovery AIM for additional uh, tuning and, and accuracy. Um, and from AIM, potentially go to the, the flagship ANSYS tools. That's a really good point. So it's not a dead end. Um, <clears throat> it's not like you have, let's say you have a CAD embedded tool that you buy from somebody else. Um, that, that model's done. You, you can't take it further. You can take it all the way to the highest end product in ANSYS. 
And like you said, Discovery Live runs within the space claim interface mm -hmm. and is very easy to use. Well, AIM uh, is a single window interface as well. It also has the space claim tools mm -hmm. embedded within it. Okay. Uh, the interface is a little different, but it's very user friendly. It's a template workflow, very easy to go from start to finish uh, cool. within AIM. Good. So, and uh, mm -hmm. the, I, the other thing I'll add about AIM is if you have mechanical enterprise or CFD enterprise, you have AIM. That's right. right. That comes with. So a lot of people don't realize they have it. So we just did a training class at a large customer uh, where we worked with their design engineers to expose them to the product. And I think before we get into the, the changes and the releases, the, the one thing that I always have learned in discussing this product with simulation engineers is they want to look at it as a simulation tool uh, like HFSS or mechanical or, or, or fluent. And that's not what it is. And I've had to kind of force myself to not compare them apples to apples. This is, this is, this is, like Ted said, this is really early. What if, if, what is the trend that I get from making these changes? So um, I think I, I'm always surprised at how the adoption hasn't gone as fast as I would have thought it would. And I think that's one of the reasons why. So I like to talk about that when I introduce right. it to people. Yeah, I mean, the issue is that, especially in large companies, things are very siloed. Yep. Design people do design work, analysts do analytical work, and neither group likes any bleed over from one side to the other. The it's a bit of a religious war. The I designers agree. Won't, let, won't let analysts even have access to the CAD models, mm -hmm. and analysts don't like designers having access to... That's a valid point. Analytical tools. So, so this is this is a tool that can help bridge that gap. Right. Um, so it's 2019 R2 Discovery uh, Ansys Discovery Live 2019 R2. Uh, up to that point, the physics that it supported was uh, <clears throat> stress, vibration, um, fluid flow, and thermal. Correct. Right. Correct. And we, when you say vibration, it's modal. <clears throat> modal, not right. not force vibration. Good right. Point. So um, let's talk about what's new in R2, what's well, with the physics-wise. R2 adds DC conduction, mm -hmm. which so now we can do electric conduction, um, and also some multi-physics coupling, which we didn't have before. So thermal stress and electrothermal stress. Okay. So if I've got a part that's got a lot of current flowing through it and uh, it's heating up, I can now calculate the thermal stress from that. Correct. For me, okay, that's not a huge problem set that a lot of people deal with, right? Uh, unless you're a bus bar designer or something like that. Um, why we get excited about it is, and why I get excited about it is that now we can do multi, they're putting in the hooks for multi-physics. They started with low hanging fruit. Anyway, right. the voltage is just another degree of freedom, just like thermal, right? So they can, they can easily add that to the solver. But um, what it really tells us is, okay, the capability in the user interface and in the load transfer is getting there for doing true multi-physics. So that's pretty exciting. And we see it with the thermal stress as well. Right. Mm -hmm. so, very cool. Um, what what is what has changed? Did some of the user interfaces change, is that correct? It's just minor changes, if I remember? Yeah, I think the, the big one that most people will notice if you've used it before is the uh, post-processing okay. where you specify which result quantity you want to look at. Mm -hmm. It used to be kind of in the middle at the bottom and now it's all over in the lower right okay. where the contour bars show up. Okay. It's a little bit more intuitive. Yeah, there. right. Yeah. I, you know, Putting all those controls in the same place makes sense. Mm -hmm. 
And so there's some additional capability there in the post-processing. Yeah, prettier pictures, better pictures. Um, one thing that I, that I learned, because I I'd asked Ted to, to look at something totally unrelated, I don't think it's new in R2, it may have been there a while, is we can do rotating frames of reference for CFD now. Is that correct? It doesn't animate it, right? Is that what you told me? Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. So if you want to simulate a fan that's mm -hmm. spinning away, you can do that. You're just not going to see the actual mm -hmm. structure rotate, but you see the effect of that on the fluid flow. It'll 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 create add add momentum, right? That's what we're right. doing. Or or does it do a turbine too? Well, it, well it, I thought about that, that. I mean, if it does a if it does a fan, it should do a it turbine. should do a turbine. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I don't know if you could couple in the the. I mean, you'd have to apply a rotational yeah. speed to it. It wouldn't. Okay. It wouldn't generate a it rotational speed. Because it's not fluid solid yet. Right. right. So the, we don't have that multi-physics capability. So it's not right. going to transfer the loads, the pressure loads right. yet. Okay. But that's that's something that I wasn't aware that was in there. I don't, I'm not quite sure when it got introduced, but I, I, I thought you can do that. So if you've got fans, you want to spin something at a certain speed and see what that does to your flow, you can do that. Do that. Yeah. yeah. That's cool. Um, so let's talk about, uh, in the structural side, they added... Remote mass, is that correct? Right. Yep. So, so I like so, that. Which you, you can also do remote <clears throat> force. Okay. Um, so simulate a force acting on a surface from some other structure without mm -hmm. explicitly mm -hmm. modeling the structure. Mm -hmm. And the same kind of thing for remote mass in a modal analysis. You can get the effect of okay. additional mass in the structure without physically modeling that. Okay. So, so that's important because... Um, I've been, I've been down this road before with the CAD-based simulation tools where the CAD people say, well, if you want to have a remote load, model the thing, the lever arm, basically. Or, or if you want a remote mass, you know, create the structure that, create the, the object and that's your mass and attach it. Well, that's a pain in the butt and it slows the model down. Right. So to me, it's really important that they get that, that the developers get that. And I think it's where a lot of CAD-based tools in the past from other companies have failed. So yeah, remote tool, create a point in space and uh, put a load on it, put a mass on it, and you don't have to model all that stuff. So that's pretty, pretty cool uh, capability. Um, what, else, what else can you guys uh, There's been about? some improvements to units as well. Oh, good. So some of the units that in the earlier versions had some confusing relationships, those have been cleaned up okay. into systems of units that we expect to see. Good. Um, it's also got the capability for uh, if you're doing streamlined flow, it used to just have a default set of number of streamlines. That yes, I remember that. Yes. And you're kind of stuck you, with that. Right. <laughs> now you can go define what seed points you want to do or how many of them you want and mm -hmm. change the streamline contours. And it's, it's a good point to bring up because, you know, one of the things about Discovery Live is it makes simulation really easy. So I think it's easy for a user to step back and go, well, gosh, they should have just, what, you know, why didn't they just add that? Well, because because it's such a powerful and easy tool, it's not easy to add something like that. You gotta yeah. you gotta think about, well, for somebody that's an occasional simulation user, you know, for an, for an advanced CFD guy, we're they're used to specifying, you know, random such and such pattern on this surface, right? That's just kind of a given in the yeah. industry. But for somebody that's maybe a, a, a more of a product engineer that wants to know, wants to see what the flow looks like and the streamline's not going where he wants it to go, 
they can go in and now add that fairly easily and change those numbers very easily. So, so you don't just do that. You have to think about how to do that without making the, the interface like fluent. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the, that's really the problem is mm -hmm. you want to keep the interface simple, but you want to give it enough capability so you can actually see what's going on. It really opens up a lot of doors. I mean, I, I was having a discussion with a relative that works in home construction uh -huh. the other day, and we were discussing in your air conditioning ducts what happens if you close off a duct in the ceiling, oh, good point. but you've still got the, the ductwork coming from the main part of the duct to the, the closed vent. You know, is that causing recirculation that's then having a downstream inefficiency effect. And of course he says, no, it doesn't. And I'm like, oh, I bet it does. Yep. And I've got a test model all set up, ready to show. <laughs> Under his breath, he muttered. You know, the ability to move the source of the streamlines around mm -hmm. and change the number of streamlines right. really comes in handy for something like right. that, where you've right. got a, a duct work and you've got all these lines branching off, going to different rooms. And so, you know, I think it's a tool that could really right. be used in the construction industry right. when they're trying to, you know, a lot of, there's tons of expertise and I'm not trying to take away from that, but in addition to their working knowledge of how these things work, you know, they are very much about increasing efficiency mm -hmm. right now, mm -hmm. um, you know, getting the electric consumption down right. in a tool like this, which is pretty inexpensive compared right. to other things they're doing might have a lot of benefit. That's a, that's a really great example because in the past, when we've been asked to, so so it's it's not a, that rare of a thing for a construction company to come to us and say, "Hey, we don't know what's happening to the air conditioning system. Can you model it?" And we go, "Oh yeah, so that'll be three weeks and twenty five thousand dollars for a fluid model. The, the cost effectiveness is not there, but right. they might be able to take their whatever tool it is they use for these kind of modeling, pop it into Space Claim, and uh, in within an hour, really know." Where do I put that baffle? Where do I put that block? What what, what really happens? You know? Where is a good place to add a vent? Yeah, exactly. What a great example. Good. Cool. Um, there's some beta stuff in there. Let's uh, usually we we shy away from that, but but we encourage people in, in Discovery Live to use it because beta just means that it hasn't been tested. It may have a few bugs, but uh, you can still get access to them. So what's new in the beta world? Well, the the big beta capability is topology optimization, and that mm -hmm. was beta in R1 as well. Right. Although, uh, even though it's still beta in R2, it is more robust. Good. So it used to be like even with the demo problem, you could solve it once and then you'd struggle to be able to solve it again. Uh -huh. And that's a lot better, a lot better in R2. Um, I've been experimenting with it. It's okay. actually quite amazing. So, um, you know, it's still nowhere near the capability, capability we have in, in uh, ANSYS Mechanical mm -hmm. for mm -hmm. topology optimization, but for what it can do, it is incredibly fast. Yeah. Now, you're not going to see a solution in seconds, right. but you're going to see a solution in minutes. Yeah. Whereas in mechanical, it's going to be hours right. to get the same right. kind of result. Um, so, I'm, so far, I'm quite impressed. So, for a design engineer to go in there and say, you know, where can I remove mass on this thing? You can get an answer. You just kind of visually look at it and then go back to your CAD model and incorporate it. You know? And it uses the level set method, okay. which was just added to ANSYS Mechanical okay. uh, recently. And, and so that really just sort of pushes the boundaries mm -hmm. so you get a much smoother right. resulting set of surfaces or geometry from the, the topo opt and much easier to uh, have a nice smooth result that you can then send off to 
a 3D printer or however you're going to actually make, it. make the thing. It's it's pretty impressive how fast it is. Uh, I, I'm I can't wait for that to come along further uh, as time goes by. Um, th that that pretty much covers my list. Do you guys have anything else that that we skipped that you want to talk about? Well, you know, there, there's some things that were problems in the prior release that you know some people encountered that have been fixed in this Good. release. For example, okay. there some people had a font problem where okay. the fonts were about the the same color. Is the background menus, which made them that difficult, it hard to if not impossible. <laughs> so that's been fixed in okay. R2. Okay, good. Um, seems like there's been a few other things that are escaping me right now. But but, but little fixes um, yeah. as, as the code I mean, goes that's on. The maturity of the code as it progresses. And people report back problems and they'll go ahead and fix them. It's cool. Right. To me, I mean, just since the, the tool first came out, the workflow to me makes more sense. Uh -huh. um, it's... Uh, I'm, I'm not, you know, wondering what I do next as much right. as I used to. It's That's, more intuitive. It's, right. It's more intuitive. I mean, some of it is just me using it more, right. but I think there's more hints as to what to do next. Okay. Maybe some more standardization of how things work. And, you know, we, we haven't really talked about the space claim part, but right. you still have the ability to make changes to the geometry using, right there. you know, the move yeah. tool and the mm -hmm. pull tool and all the nice goodies in space claim. And virtually instantly see the effect of making those changes on in your stress results or your fluid flow results. Um, and that's really the that's pretty the, powerful, right? The the money maker for the the money shot for uh, Discovery Live. Yeah, yeah, good. I, I uh, yeah I, I do do enjoy using it. Uh, so if people want to learn more, what's the best way to get access? If you're a PADT customer, just Email us or call us, we'll help you. But if you're not, uh, what's the best way to, to get access? Yeah, is it still is it still online? I can't remember. There was a the, the online demo is gone. Right? Yeah, right. yeah, online demo is gone. Yeah, the online demo is gone. That was kind of cool. So that's <coughs> not there anymore. So just reach out to your your reseller um, or your direct person that you. Yeah, buy I mean, from. there's some great uh, videos True. out of, on the Ansys YouTube channel mm -hmm. that will show you what the thing does, mm -hmm. but. As we were saying, you know, the best way is to just engage your your local uh, Ansys representative, whether that's Ansys Direct or a channel partner. Okay. And uh, the key thing to remember is you do have to have a graphics card that supports the language that the solvers are written in. So it's going to be an NVIDIA card. Okay. Um, the more video RAM, the better. Okay. okay. Um, really, you need a minimum of four gigabytes of video okay. RAM. And a fairly modern NVIDIA card, one made within the last several years. Okay. Um, eight gigabytes of video RAM is even better, but mm -hmm. you know not every, everyone's going to be able to afford uh, eight gigabytes of video RAM. But uh, yeah, we didn't talk about this, but one thing to note is that the bigger video, the more video RAM you have, the bigger the problem you can solve. Good and point. That's really the limiting value on accuracy and problem okay. size is how much video RAM you have. Okay. That's a really good point. So adding, adding more RAM uh, lets you build bigger problems or more refined problems so you're getting closer to that uh, true solution. Um, but I remember even when it first came out on my cheapy laptop that had a, a very underpowered NVIDIA card on the, on the laptop itself, I could still get answers. They were just pretty coarse. Right. Uh, still pretty useful tool. It's kind of mm -hmm. cool. Still feel more patient. Um, and we do have a webinar coming up, which uh, Trevor will put into the notes down below, but you can always go to Bright Talk 
uh, and search for PADT and see all of our upcoming webinars. So this one is there, and Ted, you'll be giving that one. Is that correct? correct. Yeah. So Ted will be showing off the product uh, live and be able to answer questions. And as always, we're here to answer any questions. So any parting comments before we wrap it up? It's a fantastic tool. Yeah. It's, I mean, you're right. It is going to be a game changer. It's just, it's going to take a while for people to, it's a paradigm change. Yep. It's, it's what happened when, you know, for instance, when Pro Engineer first came out mm -hmm. and everybody was used to doing surface modeling in CAD and lines and wireframe stuff and suddenly a 3D solid modeler mm -hmm. came out and nobody knew what to do with it at first. So, somewhere there's a memo that I stupidly wrote talking about why this parametric cat is a bad idea. So, yeah, yeah 20, 30 years ago. So <laughs> that was a paradigm shift that I was stupid enough to not want to make, but uh, yeah. obviously it paid off. <laughs> yeah. All right. So. Well, great. Um, do reach out and let us know if you need to know any more and uh, try it. I got some, my parting shot is stop thinking about next release. Now it's time to get give Discovery Live and the whole Discovery Suite if you haven't looked at it a try. Um, right. it's, it's, it's useful today and every one of these little releases they do will get more uh, capability on. So it just keeps getting better and better. So enjoy. Do reach out to get your copy of the product um, and, and check it out in, on your own and see how powerful it is. We've got some uh, of the webinar we talked about is coming up on the June 26th. So do check that out on our Bright Talk channel. So go to brighttalk.com and search for PADT and you'll see all of our past and future and present uh, webinars there. And as always with Bright Talk, you can just uh, sign up and listen to the recording. You don't have to be live. Um, it's, it is really a good product and we really encourage everybody to check it out. So let's take a commercial break before we talk about news and events. Hi, I'm here to talk about one of the most important services that PADT offers to ANSYS users, our training classes. It's a great time to be a simulation engineer. The software tools we use get better with every release. They're easier to use and more powerful. There are so many different physics we can model with ever-increasing accuracy. And all this increasing functionality, along with places we can apply simulation, have one big downside. Existing users need to keep up with new capabilities, and new users need to get up to speed as quickly as possible. That is why PADT offers training and mentoring. For almost 25 years, we've been efficiently teaching engineers how to use ANSYS products. Even though there are many online options out there, nothing beats being in a classroom with an expert, where you can learn the theory, understand the principles, and apply them in practical workshops. Our classes can be taught at one of PADT's five locations. We can come to your office, or we can set up a class at a rented space. And don't worry, we bring the hardware, the materials, and the expertise. You bring the questions. We can teach standardized classes, or we can customize them to meet your needs. Our courses cover every major ANSYS product, and you do not have to purchase your ANSYS license from PADT. We can provide training to any user anywhere in the world. Learn the ANSYS products you use faster and in greater depth by contacting PADT today. Email joe.woodward at padtinc.com or use info at padtinc.com. If you like to talk to a human, call 480-813-4884 and ask to speak to somebody about ANSYS training. We're eager to help you learn your products faster and better. 
Well, on the news front, the ANSYS news front, it finally happened. The ANSYS stock, I'm not sure if it was yesterday or the day before. Uh, I'm recording this on June 13th, by the way. But uh, as of close of the market on June 12th, the stock was up to 197 And at some point in the last couple of days, it had crossed the $200 per share uh, mark for the first time ever. And that gives them, as of the end of business yesterday on the 12th, a market capitalization for ANSYS Inc. of $16.6 billion. So that's pretty cool to see uh, the growth and success of the company uh, as, it, as it has done. Uh, I always like to compare the ANSYS stock relative to the S&P 500 to see if it's outperforming the market, and it continues to do that. The S&P 500 since January 1 is up 17.89%, and the ANSYS stock as of the end of day yesterday was at 41.5% growth. So not a bad investment if you had put down a little bit of money um, at the beginning of the year. Um, not, not bad at all. So uh, the only news that ANSYS put out over since the last time that we recorded for the podcast was this really cool announcement with BMW where they're going to be the what they call the industry's first simulation tool chain for autonomous driving. So really looking at using virtual testing, uh, digital twins, all these kind of uh, newer applications of simulation to build better autonomous cars. And uh, BMW is partnering with ANSYS on this. So if you're in the automotive space or just interested in autonomous cars, do check that uh, press release out. And there's also an interview on uh, one of those Wall Street uh, programs with the CEO of ANSYS where he talks about it as well. It, it, is, it is a big deal. Um, and it will not only drive capabilities for people doing autonomous cars, but all of the tech that's going to come out of this will apply to all of us who do uh, simulation. On the PAT side, we have nothing new to share. We did not partner with a major automotive manufacturer to change the way we design the next generation of transportation. Um, sorry, nothing going on there. Um, I was on a, a local streaming, uh, Phoenix Business Radio X is what it's called. I did an interview with three other folks, including uh, the president, uh, Steve Zylstra of the uh, Arizona Technology Council, and what we talked about is the Arizona Technology Council as well as the local tech scene. So if you are interested in what's going on, if you're listening from Arizona and want to know what's going on with the tech scene, it was a great interview. Uh, really enjoyed talking about the present and the future as well as a little bit about the past. So um, just Google, Google, go to my LinkedIn um, or uh, Google Radio X Business PADT. I think it'll show up or Eric Miller, it'll show up. Uh, Blog-wise, we um, always like to look at the ANSYS blog and pick three favorites, um, and there were some good ones in there. Uh, one, of my, one of my favorite in a long time um, is how to quickly create and simulate a, excuse me, how to quickly create a simulation-based digital twin of I, industrial Internet of Things connected product. It's a mouthful, but what it really is, is they took an electric motor that was uh, connected through PTC's ThingWorks and the ANSYS Twin Builder, and they modeled the whole thing as a system level model, and it's pretty cool. Check it out if you're trying to get your head around what this whole digital twin thing is about. Uh, near and dear to my heart was the second article I picked, which is called Strain Gauge Placement for Accurate Fatigue Analysis of a Genset. And if you don't know what a genset is, I had to look it up. A genset is a, uh, a metal frame that you put everything you need to generate power on. 
So it's got the actual motor and the, um, the thing that turns the generator and the generator itself and all the support hardware uh, to get the right voltage and current out the other end. Anyway, uh, Cummings is, is a big ANSYS user and um, they're using a tool, I wrote it down here, uh, called TrueLoad. It's a third-party tool and they use it to not only predict where the best place is to put their strain gauges, but also to kind of back calculate what the loads are that result in whatever measured strains you get from your physical testing. Now, I care about this. It's near and dear to my heart because the first real big program I wrote when I was like 24 or 25 was, uh, I called it Strain Gauger. And um, it was a uh, 4chan code, yes, it was that long ago, that uh, converted, that, that took an ANSYS model and uh, helped you place the strain gauge on that model and then it would tell you what the strain was going to be on the model. So basically a very small subset of what this TrueLoad program does now. So if you work with strain gauges, check out this article. It's really well written. And uh, follow the link to the TrueLoad product. I, I think this is a tool that a lot of people doing large structures would be very interested in learning more about. And it works really well with ANSYS as shown in the article. And my third pick is Advances in Simulation-Driven Efficient Design for Sprays, Erosions, and Metal Forming. And it looks at uh, ANSYS Multiphysics modeling to drive the design of what the title says. Um, nozzles, which, which we're seeing more and more. Sand erosion, so especially in the oil and gas industry, you get sand in your, in your fluids and it erodes away. So using CFD and reduced order modeling, you don't have to model the whole thing to do design iterations to calculate what that erosion is. And then metal forming, which is non-traditional metal forming that uses mechanical, thermal, electromagnetic energy to heat and shape the part. And the article is just kind of an introduction to those three topics with links to further information if you want to learn more. So I found that one interesting. I learned a little bit, especially about the um, electromagnetic forming stuff. On the PADT blog side of things, we're paying a little bit more attention. Um, and putting more content out there on the blog. The first thing I want to point out is that I re-recorded a presentation I did on optics and the use of 3D printing in the optics world. Uh, it was a conference for down in Tucson earlier in the year, and uh, it's, it's a pretty cool um, uh, survey of the very different ways that people are using 3D printing in the optics world. So if you're at all involved in, in the stuff that holds optics or optics design itself, to check that presentation out. And hopefully they'll let me come down next year and talk about simulation and optics. That's what I'm pushing for. Um, our most popular post in a long time was one I did on the fact that PDT now has 43 patents, or I should say our engineers have been named as inventors on 43 patents. Our customers usually own the intellectual property on these patents, but we get listed as the inventor if we contributed to that intellectual property. And we're up to 43. We just got a, a medical device one just recently. So I'm very proud of that. Um, it, it, we, you know, we pass by the wall of patents in our entryway uh, every day, so we kind of forget. And 43 is a lot of patents. Um, so congratulations to our team and thanks to our customers for letting us be part of that. And then the third one is an article called 10 Suggestions on How to Design and Build Hardware for Duty Cycle Testing. And it's basically, as the title says, a bunch of suggestions that we've learned over the years when we build rigs that automate the testing of products. So you've got the, the behavior of the product in the field. You want to accelerate 
that, uh, that behavior so you can test to make sure how it behaves in the long run. And of course, we use a lot of simulation. What's unique about PADT is, yeah, we do build the hardware to do that test, and it just kind of sits there in the corner and cycles through the, the life cycle of the product. But we use a lot of simulation to help us design those tests and uh, to interpret the results. So do check that out uh, if you do any kind of uh, uh, duty cycle testing. It's some useful, uh, basically I talk to our folks in the, in the lab and our engineering department to see what they've learned over the years. We just finished a, a building a next generation for one of our customers of one of their test devices. And uh, I thought it was a good time to, to write about it. So that's what's new in our blog. Event-wise, uh, the Turbine Engine and Expo is next week. It's here. Uh, so if you're coming in, please do reach out. Do stop by our booth. Uh, we'll be promoting the podcast and hopefully recording an episode from the convention itself. So that's uh, the 17th through the 21st next week here in Phoenix. So we look forward to meeting people. Also this week uh, in Arizona is the Arizona Aerospace Aviation Defense and Manufacturing Conference. That's on Thursday. And I'll be leading a panel I believe that the title is um, the economic and geopolitical trends, uh, the effect of economic and geopolitical trends on manufacturing. So we always talk about how new technologies impact manufacturing, disrupt it. What about these other things that we can't really control, economics and geopolitical situations? Uh, how's that changing manufacturing right now? So I'm looking forward to it. Got a great panel of four people from industry and, uh, and uh, uh, academia. And we're going to talk about uh, how that happens as well as a whole day of speeches and lectures from other folks in the aerospace, aviation, and defense industry in Arizona. And I'll let you know how it goes. That's a conclusion of our podcast. Thanks. Um, I hope you've enjoyed it. Don't forget to subscribe to www.padtinc.com slash opt-in. Spread the word. We need more listeners. We want to reach more people. And don't hesitate to reach out to us. And I'll conclude by saying I hope I see some of you at the Turbo Expo next week. Thank you for joining us for the All Things ANSYS podcast, episode number 39. As a reminder, this podcast is not affiliated in any way with ANSYS Inc. and the opinions expressed are those of the people on the show only and not of their current or former employers. For more information, visit www.padtinc.com slash blog. And please share your thoughts and questions through an email to podcast at padtinc.com. See you next time.